Sunday as a pastor of this church, 14 and a bit years ago, I preached from Philippians chapter 4, both morning and evening. That was the evening when we had evening services then. And um, it was interesting that having finished the series we were in, looking at the big picture of God's purposes, the going through the whole of the Bible and seeing God's big story that finished just two weeks ago, I got this one week left. <coughs> and I thought I would go back, not preach the same sermon I did 14 years ago, because this is a passage that actually I've returned to time and time again, several times over the years that I've been here, and uh, I want to just kind of read to you again from Philippians chapter 4. So I'm going to begin to read from verse 4. I think it says verse 5 on the screen, but it's actually verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's for you, Rob. (laughs) The man who says he doesn't do joy. I'm going to read it again. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. May God bless to us this morning the preaching and the reading of his most holy and infallible word. So, this is a very familiar passage. Some of you will know that I've preached from it a number of times and I want to do it again afresh this morning as uh, the Lord's just laid this on my heart because I think actually this is something that we all need to do. Whatever our circumstances in life, I'm going to talk about fortifying your mind, protecting it, guarding your mind. You see, if we go on to the next slide, we'll see that actually we are made up of body, soul and spirit tripartite being in other words see the body is what allows us to interact with the physical world the soul is what allows us to respond to intellectual and emotional uh, world spheres of the world in that sense and the spirit allows us to relate to the spiritual world and each part of that is extremely important because without a body we wouldn't be able to have contact with one another and feel the things that we do physically. Without a soul we wouldn't have the ability to think or to feel. And without a spirit we wouldn't have the ability to commune with God. Now, when we as Christians leave this world, the body will cease to be part of who we are but we will be raised with a new body. So it's going to be a different one to the one we have, different kind of body. But someone, uh, but before someone becomes a Christian, actually what we are is we are spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter 2, another great passage. 
We are found dead in our trespasses and sins. We are spiritually dead, but we then are made alive in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian today, you're someone who was spiritually dead who's now been made alive in Christ. And that will then affect the way that we live our lives through the intellect, through our emotions, through our feelings, through the the decisions we make with our will and what we do with our body. The members of our body, as Paul will go on to preach it. We use them for good. So I want to talk about this soul area. The seat of our intellect, the seat of the will, the place where we make decisions, the place of our emotions. It's where we think, it's where we feel and decide things. It's the place where all the conflicts we face in life begin. And I want to talk specifically about the mind. The mind, the ultimate battlefield in life. If we make our decisions based on the way we feel, just think what that means. The way you feel changes from one day to another, doesn't it? You know, I love my wife dearly, but if I actually treated her the way I feel each day, there are other days that I feel that I don't quite love her so much. Do you know, am I, am, I, am I the only one that feels like that? No, you, you do feel like that. You know, emotions, you know, she, oh, I don't feel like loving her today. <laughs> you know, so when you, when you live your life based on the way you feel you, and you make your decisions, the, 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 the things you decide in your will, based on your feelings, then actually you're riding this emotional roller coaster. Because, you know, I don't feel some things. I don't feel like loving you today. But actually, as Christian people, we are to love one another. So I don't let my feelings... What we have to do is look at the mind, because it's the mind where we accept what is true. And Jesus said, the truth is what sets you free. And one of the most important basic things in Christian discipleship is to know the truth. You know, and it's sometimes we look at our we'll call it the Bible and we want to see what's, you know, what, what is there, that, is there a command to obey? Is there a promise to hold on? What about what truth to believe? It is simply true, therefore I need to take it on board. I am a child of God, full stop. And some of us need to just take some of those things on board because we, we go, I don't really feel like a child of God. I don't know where God is today. I didn't feel anything in that worship. Oh, I didn't feel anything during communion. Oh, well, I'm not basing it on what my feelings are, but what is true and taking that on board so that the way I then make my decisions with my will are based on that truth, not the emotional fluctuations. And that's why the mind is so important. We make our decisions based on that truth. And you need to know that God, the flesh, and the devil, in a way, are in battle for that mind, that place where we accept what is true. It wouldn't surprise me if some of the things that had to be prayed for this morning were exactly that thing. You've lost your way because you've started believing the lies. And it's the reinforcement of what is true. This is true. Therefore, this is how I should live. 
Now, why does the battle rage in the mind? Well, simply because it says in Proverbs, a simple verse, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You know? As you think, so you are. Everything begins in the mind. And this battle is a spiritual battle. Everything is going on there. Ultimately, it's a battle between good and evil for the control of our lives. You see, we now, as Christians, think of our spirit. We are now dead. We're not dead in our trespasses. We've been made alive. And so from that, that affects the way we think. Does that make sense? If you think of those circles, you go outwards. So if my spirit is now alive, that changes the way I think, changes what I know is true, changes the way I feel, changes the way I act. Before, when I was spiritually dead, that, that truth, I didn't bother with that truth. So when I did things that were not good in God's sight, were sinful in God's sight, it, I, it didn't affect me. It made, didn't make me feel bad. But now I want to be the person that God wants me to be, the spirit that is within me, that has come, come alive in me, is changing the way I think and feel because now the truth of God's word is that base. And it's a spiritual battle. And therefore, if it's a spiritual battle, we fight it with spiritual resources. Paul put it like this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I could just preach on that passage. <laughs> you know, what we do is we have to, that battle for our mind is that we have, there are, are thoughts that we have to take captive and bring them under subjection to Christ. So we make them obedient to Christ. Why? Because through our feelings and through the decisions that we make sometimes, we're not right. We've got to cap take, cap take captive every thought. And is this God's will for my life? And that's what I'm supposed to live. Or as Paul put it in another place in Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You see, we don't have to lose the battle for our mind. We don't have to be defeated in life. And that's, that's my plea when I was thinking what to preach. I wanted this, this last message for a few, several months just to be one, is don't be defeated. Grow in Christ. I want to come back to a church that has grown in its strength of discipleship, in its ability to follow the Lord Jesus, in its discernment of God's will, in its personal holiness, and in its passion to reach out. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on God working in and through you. You don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to be defeated in your walk with Jesus. You don't have to be a slave to worry and to fear. You don't have to have a life that is just controlled by lust or desires of the flesh. You can live a life under the control of the Spirit of God. You can win the battle. And you might ask, well, how do we do that then? Well, first and foremost, we need to recognize that it doesn't happen automatically. 
We have to take certain steps that will allow it to come to pass. I'm quoting from all different uh, passages this morning, but Paul put it like this in Romans Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to discern or to be able to test and approve what is God's will. Or again in Ephesians chapter 4, be renewed in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God. You see, we don't just go out and live a different life when we're Christians unless actually the way we think has changed. The truth we've accepted on board. And that establishment of that base is the way that's going to change our behaviour. Put ourselves in a position to receive the ministry of the Lord as he renews our minds. That word transform in Romans 12 and the word renewed in Ephesians 23 are both, you know, in Greek language terms, they're both of the passive uh, active voice, passive voice, sorry. So there, there are things that something is done to you. It's what God wants to do in you. But we also have a second thing. We also have this great promise that we don't do it alone. <coughs> the Spirit of God that God gave us does not make us timid. It's not a spirit of fear, as one translation would put it but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. Right? The spirit that God has given you is not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And today, I want us to see from this little passage in Philippians chapter 4, what I'm calling Paul's plan for victory in the battlefield of the mind. We read in verse 7, we're given a great promise, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard literally uh, means to garrison, to post a guard, to build a fort. And that's what I want us to see from this passage today. That the way that we can fortify our minds. Building a fort. Practical things that you and I need to do on a daily basis to keep ourselves winning that battle for the mind so that we can live the way God wants us to. The type of walls that we need to build. For if we're going to fortify your mind, you've got to get into the construction business. You're going to have to build some walls. That's what this fortified. Set, build a guard around you so that the enemy doesn't just get in and attack. Right? And if we follow some of these instructions found in these verses and build these walls, then, um, you know, I think you find that daily struggles will not be the same. So the first wall we need to build, I believe, is right there. Build a wall of praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Paul is commanding us as believers to rejoice in the Lord. It means to be glad. Yes? 
to be glad. Being joyful doesn't mean being bubbly and kind of having that frothiness all on the outside. You don't have to do that. We all know what it's like when we've got to put the smile on. You know, I remember the day I got married. We were 30 years ago. Don't tag on, I haven't finished the story yet. <laughs> you know when the photographer says, smile, and I thought, I have been smiling all this time. You know, you know, did anyone else feel that? You know, they say, smile, I've smiled so much it aches. You know, <laughs> you know, and you feel as though, hang on, so, you, so the, the joy was there, even though I just want to go, oh. <laughs> you know, and that's what it, this, this is about being glad inside, rejoicing in the Lord. And the, the, exactly the same, the tense of that word is to go on being glad in the Lord. I mean, let's face it, a lot of life doesn't lend itself to happiness, does it? You know, in fact, when Paul was writing these very words, he was chained between two soldiers in a Roman prison. He wasn't feeling bubbly and frothy, that kind of joy. Paul knew that regardless of the circumstances of life, God never changes. Hear that, whatever you're going through. Despite whatever the circumstances are in life, God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is why we're told to rejoice in the Lord. You see, people will change. Circumstances will change. Life constantly changes. But Jesus never changes. I mean, we can be going through difficult circumstances. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's breakdown. Maybe it's financial breakdown, relationship breakdown, marriage breakdown. All sorts of different things that our lives can go through. But Jesus remains the same. And so we're not rejoicing in those things. We're rejoicing in God. We need to learn to rejoice in who God is and what he has done for us and what he is doing in our lives. So even if your road grows um, weary and, and, um, you know, it grows hard, I want you to remember these things. Remember, there's a few verses. I don't know if you... Can you read those? That's too small. That's tiny for me to read. (laughs) God has a plan for the path of your life. God has promised to make all things work together for good. I love that verse. Probably my favourite verse of Scripture. Along with the last one I said was my favourite verse of Scripture. (coughs) God has promised to go with you through everything in life. I mean, this is one of the most fundamental things that we as Christians need to hold on to. I am with you always. You know, the circumstances are changing, but he never changes, and he says, I am with you always. He's promised to go through that with you. He's promised to give you abiding victory. He's promised that actually the destination will be worth every step along the way. Yeah? Therefore, even if you can't be happy with the circumstances of life. Learn to be happy in the Lord. You want to protect your mind? Build this fort. That first wall is build a wall of praise. 
I will rejoice, I will rejoice. I will rejoice because I've made my choice to rejoice in the Lord always. There's a little uh, spiritual from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. (laughs) And you just decide, it's going to be a practice every day. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I know I'm ill. I know the kids are pain. I know my marriage is breaking down. I know I can't pay the bill. I know that the pastor's rubbish. You know, whatever. But I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. God is good all the time. And all the time God is good. That's what this is about. Rejoicing in the Lord. Because he doesn't change. So that's that first wall. And then he says the second wall. I want you to build this second wall. Build a wall, and I've called it a wall of patience. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This is the idea of being patient with each other. (coughs) Giving way to the rights and wishes of others around you. Not just wanting to get your own way. It doesn't mean that you compromise on the things you believe, on the doctrines you believe, but it does mean that you have a willingness just to take the back seat in favour of other people. Being servant, being gentle, being kind. It doesn't mean that you're a doormat, but we possess a gentle spirit. It's what Paul was, it's the idea of what Paul was saying back in chapter 2 of Philippians when he says, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. Showing gentleness. Not exerting self. The reality of our faith should be demonstrated in how we deal with other people. You see, if we focus our lives on ourselves, then when people hurt us, which they will, (coughs) when people slight us, when people cross us, there will be a desire in us to retaliate or to get vengeance. And Paul wants us to focus off ourselves to help others. Show that gentleness. Show that patience. When we're focused on others around us, we're less likely to be hurt by the things that they do and the things that they say, even if they are aimed at us. We'll take the sting out of them. But if we adopt the mentality of self-love, which is what the world does, isn't it? Self-love, me first. If we adopt that mentality, then actually the things that people do and the things that they say, we're going to take as personal attacks and it will cause us to be hurt even more easily. And it will cause us to focus on problems and dwell on what has been done or what has been said. And he's, that, that's not good for us. If we learn to accept others as they are and overlook how they act, it will protect our minds from dwelling on negative things. You know, and this is a battle. You know how it is. It's, it is so easy to see the faults in other people, isn't it? Oh, come on, you've got to agree with that one. Am I the only one that never sees my fault, but I can see yours? 
<laughs> you know, you know keep, we, that, that is the battle. You learn to accept people as they are. That doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't, there's some things that uh, need correction. You know, we, we all need to be involved in that. And, um, but it will protect us if we don't dwell on the negative things all the time. That our conversations are not are just like, oh, do you see so and so again? Oh, she did that again. Oh, dear. You know, and we're just, we're going downhill. We need to live in genuine contentment, which Paul will go on in this chapter to write about as well. Then it's not a matter of what anyone else says or done. Do you, you're content where life is. The mind will be protected from evil because it just loves to find faults in others. The devil loves nothing better than to get our eyes off of Jesus and onto the faults of other believers. So we're not listening to him, we listen and look at each other in a negative way. And of course our own flesh loves nothing better than to actually get along with the devil and it just happens that our minds then are in danger because we're not demonstrating this gentleness, this patience, this forgivingness, this graciousness. And so we need to build a wall of praise. And we need to build a wall of patience. And then thirdly, we need to build a wall of prayer. That's what he goes on to say. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, there's a warning here against the dangers of worry and anxiety. That's a state of mind that is agitated over events and circumstances of life, over most of the ones that we have no control of. Now, there's nothing wrong with having concerns. I have concerns. Nothing wrong with you having a concern about it. It's when those concerns have you. Do you get the difference there? We have a concern about it, but when that concern has you, it's consumed you. And that's why this passage is so, so important. Worry is dangerous because it allows the mind to conceive all kinds of false notions. When we worry about what other people think, we're playing games in our mind, thinking, oh, they must think this. I bet she thinks that about me. I bet he says that about me. And we're, just, we're off down this path that is, we don't know about. False notions. That's what worry and anxiety will do. The false notions about God. Well, if God was really loving God, if there is a God, he doesn't seem to care about me, does he? And so we worry about this and that's the kind of thought that we end up having. But that's not the truth, is it? The truth was, you are a child of God, full stop. As you put your faith in him. The truth is, he does care for you. Whatever the circumstances you're in, he's with you and caring for you. And so we've got these precious helps in these verses. We need to, I've just named them, I don't know if I put a slide on this one or not, but you know, the first is, recognize God is near. 
The Lord is near. I always found that statement in this passage an interesting one. And what's he going talking about the second coming about? He's not talking about the second coming, I don't think. He's just saying, God's near. <coughs> He's here with you. Therefore, don't be anxious. Pray. Exercise this tool of prayer. Talk to him. He's near. So we need to recognize that the Lord is near. He's always near his children. So that we should exercise prayer, bringing all kinds of prayers, whether they're general, specific, and detailed prayers. The main thrust of it is instead of worrying, demonstrate faith in the power and the will of God by seeking him in prayer. I remember preaching on this some years ago. Do you remember we did it? I think I must have done this time and time. What is, what is, how does the verse go? Speaks for itself. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray. There's the, there's the balance, isn't it? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, bring it to God. So you're defending, you're building this fort, fort around your mind to protect you so that you can live the life God wants you to. I'm building a wall of praise. I'm going to honour him and worship him and lift him up. And it's nothing to do with how, how cheesy a smile I've got on my face. I'm building a wall of patience. I'm not going to let the words and actions of others get to me and hurt me. I'm going to show a spirit of gentleness and patience to others. And I'm building a wall of prayer because whatever anxiety comes to me, I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to speak to Him and develop a thankful heart regardless of the situation we face in life. I'm going to learn to praise God through them all. Nothing brings God nearer or drives the devil away faster than having a genuinely thankful heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. For those making notes, jot that one down. It's not on the screen. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Shall I say that one again? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Let me just explain that. It's giving thanks that is God's will. Not all the circumstances. And you give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. You know? So if you've just gone and put your hand in your food mixer and taken your finger off or something, oh, praise the Lord, I've just knocked my finger off. You know, that's not what it's saying, is it? I know that's a bit facetious, but you know. <clears throat> but whatever your circumstance is, it's not, you're, I'm, pr I'm not praising God for this sickness, not praising God for this trial, not praising God for this relationship breakdown. But I'm in it, and I'm giving thanks to God for who He is. That's what God, the, the will of God is. To honour and worship Him. To rejoice in the Lord. Not in the circumstance. God promises to us that He will replace our worries with His peace when, 
we come before him in trusting, humble prayer. The Lord promises he's going to post this guard with us. He's on our side. So instead of worrying, and those of you who are worriers, those of you who have anxiety problems, I know you, you might need extra help. But what would be really good is you just learn to start taking it to God. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to talk to my God because he is near. He is near. Build a wall of prayer. Build a wall of praise. Build a wall of patience. And finally, build a wall of purity. Finally, brothers, he says, and sisters, whatever is true, this is, the, this is what I call the filter of eight. You know the filter of eight? If, it doesn't, if, it, if what you're thinking about doesn't get through these things, then you need to drop it. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, there's eight of those things, think about such things. <coughs> so if you're thinking about something and you think, well actually this really isn't praiseworthy, then stop it. Control that battle. Get in there. Think about these. All these words that Paul uses here, in a way, are pictures of God's word. Because God's word is true. It is honest. It's honourable and noble. It is right and just. It is pure and holy. The list goes on. It is beautiful and lovely. It is of good rapport, good reputation. It's full of virtue, of excellence. It's full of praise. Because it will lead you towards worship. So what we have here in this filter of eight is a call to fix our minds on the things of God. And the source of finding out about the things of God is in God's Word. I can't imagine going through a week not looking at the Bible. Because I could get halfway through the week and I mean, you can be, end up kind of, yeah, you're making your own decisions and you're just doing it on past experience. That, but, I, you know, you end up knowing, I don't know what God wants now. What's God saying to me? You know, the point of me taking a sabbatical is to spend more time with God. I'm not going on holiday. <laughs> I will have holiday. We'll have time to relax and be refreshed. But actually to be refreshed in God. To hear him speak. But that's not once every seven years I need that. I need it every day. You, my friends, need it every day. Just like you need air and water and food. <coughs> whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think about those things. And you get it by looking at God's word. What does God say? For there will be no room for evil, no room for worry, and no room for fear, and no room for vengeance, and no room for confusion and trouble when we fill our minds and our lives with the Word of God. What does God think? What does God say? 
Because that is what's going to give me a stable mind, not one that is tossed about with every wind of fashionable doctrine or unfashionable doctrine. (coughs) See, if you want a stable, fixed mind, the only place to get it is to listen to God. So take the initiative to protect yourself and dwell on what God says instead of allowing your mind to run to what's evil, instead of allowing your mind to run with the gossip, instead of allowing your mind to be running with what do, what's someone else doing, what are my problems, and just focusing on that, I'm going to listen to God. See, a mind saturated with the Word of God is a stable mind. This is something that we must do for ourselves. I can't do it for you. I want to feed you Sunday by Sunday. I I trust that when you come here on a Sunday, it is like going to a a high-class restaurant and you get a good meal. But one good meal a week. I hope it's it's more than beans on toast. I put a lot of preparation to feed you this meal. But one meal a week is not enough. I can't lead your life. This is down to you as individuals. You want to protect your mind, then build a wall of praise. Build a wall of patience. Build a wall of prayer. And build a wall of purity so that I know what is true and I can protect the way I think so that I stand on God's word. I put on God's armour and at the end of the day I remain standing against every attack that comes against me, whether it's from other people or whether it's some evil spirit or whatever. Your mind is a precious gift from God. (coughs) I remember many years ago, worship leader was leading the service (coughs) and they just sort of said... um, leading the worship and they said now let us just empty our minds and focus on God you're not giving me the reaction that I felt God doesn't tell us to empty our minds he tells us to fill our minds fill your mind with the things of God That's what transcendental meditation is about, isn't it? Just empty your mind. But meditation in terms of the biblical sense is to fill your mind. (coughs) Fill your mind. Your mind is precious because as you think will determine how you act. The what you believe will determine how you behave. And if actually you don't see much of the evidence of the life of Christ in yourself, maybe it's because you don't really believe it. And we need to get back to taking on board this truth. This is what God says. Start with those simple statements of who I am in Christ and believing them. Taking on board all those promises and all those commands, how I should live my life, because this is God's truth. And who wins the battle 
is always going to be determined by you. No one else can do it for you. So we need to fortify our minds. Because until that's done, as James says, a double-minded person is unstable in all they do. So my challenge, my prayer for you as we come to the close now. I challenge you, my brothers and sisters, my challenge for me as well, is to look at our lives and say, well, are those walls something that I'm building? Or have they broken down? Have they broken down in your life? And will today be a day where I say, I'm going I'm to get back into building these walls? God's given me a plan to protect my mind so that I can grow stronger and maturer and I can be a, more, a greater blessing to others. Are your walls standing? Do you need to do some construction? Every day, praise, patient, prayer, purity. Every day, would you practice those things? And I can guarantee you will know God's peace that surpasses all understanding. Shall we bow our heads and pray? <coughs> Father God, you have done so much for us. Through your Son, through your Spirit, through your Word, through your body in the church. And we give you thanks for that. And you've given us a guide on how to grow stronger and how to overcome by fortifying our minds that will protect the way we think so that we can make the right decisions in the way we behave. And so I pray for every one of us that we will build this wall, this daily practice of praise and of patience and of prayer and purity. And that we would experience this surpassing peace in the depths of our being. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> the band would like to come and join us.